0: Welcome to the Begin the Begin podcast. My name is Jeff Hillemeyer, and I'm on a mission to find out what makes people tick. Not just anyone, people who are making a profound impact on the world. I want to dig into their origin story and get to the root of why and how they do what they do. I hope you are as inspired coming out of these conversations as I am. Let's get into it. In this episode i catch up with my friend eileen lee one of the co-founders of the lola the lola's mission is to bring women together as allies and accomplices to tell their stories raise their voices and dismantle a system that does not serve them we talk about her journey toward entrepreneurship where the inspiration to start the lola came from and the tremendous progress they're making as they come out of the difficulties of the pandemic and hey while i've got you definitely consider subscribing on whatever platform you're listening on I have a lot of great guests lined up that, trust me, you won't want to miss. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, I'm super excited about this because I get to catch up with with an old friend and hear about the amazing work that she is doing. So, Eileen Lee, will you tell everybody who you are and what you do?
1: Hi, I'm Eileen Lee. I'm the co-founder of the Lola. The The Lola is a women's club and community um, workspace located in Atlanta. We launched in July of 2019. Um, and unfortunately, uh, shut down as did most other <laughs> businesses, um, last March. But, um, I was just telling Jeff that we're excited to start opening things up again and getting a little bit busier, um, now that, um, things are looking, looking on the up and up.
0: Nice. Well, I can't wait to dig into that, but I want to, um, see if you remember the last time we saw each other and I'm going to put saw in quotes, cause I'm not sure if you saw me. Okay. <laughs> no, no memory. <laughs>
1: well, I, I know I've been to your space, mm-hmm. um, a few times. I don't know if I saw you each time, but I, yeah, I definitely was at an event on your gorgeous rooftop, um, at Dragon Army. I think it was, um, it was a women's panel. I don't mm-hmm. know if you were there.
0: No, I wasn't, <laughs> um, but I, I remember catching up with Nicola Smith afterwards. Cause I think yeah. she was there and it just sounded amazing. No, I actually saw you. Um, on the hands-on Atlanta MLK Sunday supper, I think it was in January, January 17th, maybe.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. It was
0: virtual, but uh-huh. I did see you there.
1: Oh, great. That's awesome. It was such a cool event to be a part of.
0: Oh, that was so awesome. And, um, the theme, I looked it up cause it I, I remember it was something great. The theme was the fierce urgency of now. And I just love mm-hmm. that.
1: Yeah. Their production quality for a virtual um, fundraiser was amazing. I'm on their changemakers board and at the board meeting, it was just like, can we take a moment and just, wow, be yeah. like, like tell everyone how impressed we were with how they put that together.
0: Yeah. I've always been such a big fan of hands-on. Um, they do such, such great work. I didn't know you were involved with them. That's awesome.
1: Um, not haven't been too involved over the past few months, admittedly, mm-hmm. cause I've been on maternity leave, but try to do what I can. Um, yeah at the board meetings and kind of support them. Um, I'm a big, I'm a mentor for their, um, uh, piece, uh, their AmeriCorps program. So that kind of pulls on my, my last company mentoring, um, aspiring change makers and,
0: and entrepreneurs and stuff. So it's always fun. Yeah. And you just, you, you mentioned, you just had your second daughter just a few months back.
1: We did. It was a pandemic baby. We have a bib that says quarantine baby. Um, Cause I think I had, I mean, I hadn't seen a lot of folks. Um, so when we presented, we said this, here's baby Quinn. I think a lot of our members and friends were like, I didn't know you were pregnant. <laughs> so I was like, no, in a pandemic, you just present the baby. You don't talk about the pregnancy. It just happens in the background.
0: And and you're you're finally getting back to work, and so so we'll we'll talk about that. But congratulations, that's exciting.
1: Thank you, thank you.
0: So I want to go way back, and um, well, maybe not way back. It, it depends if you you know your answer to this question. Do you have a personal purpose?
1: Um, I. That's a great question. There was a, we do a lot of professional development and personal development workshops at the Lola. And there was one activity that it was kind of circular. I didn't really know where it was getting at. And then ultimately it somehow identified that I was, or I I identified that I was a caretaker, um, which, and then we broke out into um, groups of two to discuss how we came to that realization. And the woman I was talking to was like, that's so obvious to me because you are a community builder and that in a sense is, you know, caretaking for other folks in your tribe and community. And it, in that moment, I was like, that just blew my mind. <laughs> I was talking about how I um, have taken on the role as caretaker in my family in the past. Um, and it really started with when my father um, was diagnosed with cancer in my senior year of college and, we spent, you know, all our time in the hospital. He was in and out of hospitals for about two years and that slowly made me realize I'm comfortable in those situations. A lot of people aren't. Um, So since then I've sort of taken on that caretaker role and also because my mom was just so exhausted from it. So whenever someone's, not doing well or needs that support i definitely am that person and then i think that translate professionally because this is my second community and business i've built around um wanting to i guess take care of folks and and have that sort of um tribe
0: to lean on Mm, yeah no just just knowing you that does sound right well i'm sorry about your father oh thank you yeah that's that's tough um I've had um, Ashley Jones on this uh, podcast. I don't know if you know Ashley, but she has a nonprofit um, called Love Not Lost and it's about helping people through grief.
1: Yes, I've heard of it. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. She should actually come to Lola. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm going yeah. to tell her as soon as we're done.
1: You do. You learn a lot about yourself through grief. So I'm, I'm grateful for, for the experience for sure.
0: Yeah. So the Lola, tell me where the idea came from. How did how did you guys come up with it? Um, talk about that process for a second.
1: Well, I know back uh, when I first met you, Karen Liu was the ultimate connector. She introduced us, I believe, and then she introduced uh, Martine and I, who now work together and are co-founders of the Lola. Um, it's not a new idea. It's it's you know in the sense that female forward spaces have been popping up across the country and the world for at least the past five years, if not more. Um, and it, it sort of brought back, you know, the, um, in the 1920s when the underground women's clubs existed, um, essentially we, Martine and I both saw and, and knew the challenges, uh, that women still face in the workplace, whether it's a small company, a startup or a big, um, firm and wanted to create a physical space that really was designed with women in mind. And we joked around like, you know, the office temperatures are too cold. And they actually, the reason why they're too cold, it's called the coded patriarchy. It's because um their conditions, like the, the average temperature is um, based on like an average male body size as were um, a lot of medications, airbags, all that stuff until they started testing it on women. Um, so we were really excited about physical space. We started off doing focus groups, and some of our focus groups um gave us feedback on like you should we should walk in and the floor would feel like pillows so we could take off our heels and you know, be comfortable. So it was fun to kind of dream up different ideas that women really wanted in a space that was specifically designed for them. Um and, you know. Atlanta was an interesting place. There were smaller female-focused spaces that existed when we started researching. But the more women we talked to, we knew there was an opportunity to bring diverse backgrounds, uh, races, ages, industries together, um, really to have a space of their own to connect, to support one another, to collaborate, um, and really. In this crazy world where, especially after a pandemic, where women, particularly those who are caretakers and parents continue to struggle to find any sort of balance or um, self care or time to invest in themselves, um, create a community and space that women can really um, invest in themselves, support themselves, whatever, whatever that is.
0: You know, um, thinking back to the first time we met and, and Karen Lou's coming back. Or has come back. She's.
1: I don't know if she's back yet, but she's coming back. It was so exciting. To I know get
0: that, email. that that LinkedIn she posted where she announced it. Man, just so many people. <laughs> um, but um, so I, I remember um when we met and you were you were you and Martine were sharing the vision and it just sounded sounded so great. Um, a question that I have for you is: you've now been doing this for years. How do you know if it's working? Um. Well.
1: One thing that in retrospect, we had not done in super intentionally that we wouldn't have done, you know, any other way is, you know, fundraising and raising money for a physical space to to build it out is, uh, takes some time. It always takes longer than you want it to. So we were, um, fortunate enough to have partnered with the Hotel Claremont when they first opened in July of 2018. So a full year before our physical space opened, they let us use their amazing library and lobby and back lounge for our events. So we hosted events and this was just customer validation. Um, What can we host that women, professional women would be excited to come to and what are they excited to that they'll keep coming back to the same place? That was kind of the thing that we wanted to figure out. So for a full year, um, we hosted over, I think a hundred events there, we had over a thousand women come through. We did a ton of surveys, asked for a ton of feedback and um, really continued to refine what kind of topics, what kind of gatherings, you know, we can do. So by the time we opened our doors, we already had 200 members, um, which in retrospect, we wouldn't do any other way. But in the moment we were like, we want to open our own space. <laughs> I'm like we're so tired of <laughs> squatting and being at... Uh, I, I mean, we were hopefully not too much of an inconvenience to them. but um, yeah, I think in in retrospect, if we look at expanding to different markets, we'd absolutely do it that way to to really figure it out because I think in any city, the makeup of um, the the core audience for us is thirty five to fifty five year olds. Um, so mid-career level, we used to often say, all those women are optimally agitated because they've been in the workforce long enough that they've all hit up against challenges that women often do. Um, but again, in a city like Atlanta, what are the particular challenges that they face and how can we support them um, in overcoming those? So it's just talking to a lot of people um, and really getting that con- the conviction um, mm-hmm. and the confidence that this is something that the city needs and this community needs.
0: Have you had resistance where people... Um- sort of went the other way with it and said, well, you know, why can't guys be a part of this? And I know you have some, some guys involved, but like, or have people appreciated why this is necessary sort of across the board?
1: Um, and there's always going to be critics. I think that if you don't have them, maybe, yeah, you're not putting yourself out there enough. Um, for us, it was, you know, we'd always just say, there's some most of the physical spaces out there don't aren't designed with women in mind um so that's what we're doing we're marketing um to support women um so there are we have had you know some some male guests and folks come through to attend events um and and ones that are you know feminists and supportive and kind of understand that this is there we've gotten some critics that you know have shot us some emails and that's kind of harmless stuff but um we even had a, a male um guest that attended a, I I can't remember the topic, it was a conversation where, and oftentimes our conversations in in person, um, our women are more vulnerable. They speak without a filter and and that's something that they often appreciate. And the male guest came to us afterwards and was like, oh my God, that opened up my eyes and ears. I can't unhear the things that I've heard and I never would have heard them if it weren't for a space like this you need to invite more men in this, you need to live stream it so more men could see it. And then I remember some of our members overheard and was like, we're like, aha, but then it would just be like any other space. (laughs) And it wouldn't, you wouldn't have that, you know, really, really transparent, vulnerable um, environment. And he looked at us, he's like, no, men, more, more men have to hear, hear this stuff. And we're like, we agree, but we want something for us too (laughs) um so it's definitely that balance of um yeah obviously wanting to to get the support of both men and women but being intentional about creating uh, an inclusive space for all women
0: yeah you um you allow for um guest speakers and so you're you're nurturing the members um is it co-working and office space can you talk a little bit about the model
1: Yeah, sure. So we're a membership based model. Um, Our members um, over the actually last year we launched our digital membership so you can pay um, for space or digital membership, um, both are annual commitments, you can pay either monthly or yearly um, and the the general membership to the space gives you access, you can come in and out as you please. you know, whenever the alarm's not <laughs> armed. Um, and we don't have any private offices. So we're a co-working space or a workspace where you can come and kind of first come first serve, uh, head into our main lounge or a library similar to a coffee shop. Um, before the pandemic, it would be lively. There would be all these serendipitous connections that were made. Our members who run their own businesses, and that's a big chunk of our community, freelancers, entrepreneurs, business owners. Um, they would meet and hire their graphic designer or someone to build their website or do their marketing here. And the in-person connection was was very lively. Um, that's largely been brought online to a digital platform. Um, but again, now that we're it's the summer, we're starting to see more folks come out and really meet find the need to get out of their house to To work in the main lounge, or you can book a meeting room. We have about six
0: meeting rooms you can book. Okay, awesome. So let, let's talk about COVID. Um, so, what? Nine months or so after you opened, then suddenly everything shut down. Is that about? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. I know. When you put it that way, it really <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I was definitely the most stubborn when we shut down. When we first shut down in mid-March, I was like, this will just be a few weeks, six weeks top," because it really was at the peak of our membership and growth. And we were just feeling like, wow, you know, eh, this is going to be the time where we're, we're really going to continue to grow and explode. So it was very unfortunate timing for us.
0: Yeah. And, and what was that, you know, what was that like as you're getting into maybe April of 2020 and you're like, oh, this thing's not going away and we've got to figure out what to do. And I'm guessing maybe some members started falling off because, you know, their jobs were in jeopardy or they needed to save money. So can you talk about that? And then how you, how, or if you pivoted, you know, you started doing more virtual and how that's worked out.
1: Yeah, you know, we had heard of Zoom. I feel like everybody knows Zoom now, but we uh, very quickly, cause we would host three to five events um, in our space. Uh, pre-pandemic. So it was just an easy, like, okay, let's just put it on Zoom. And so we started doing all of our events on Zoom. Um, I think we struggled with mo- what most people have struggled um, with customers over the past 15, 16 months is that everyone's sort of relation to the pandemic and how they were doing evolved like in the beginning, everyone jumped on Zoom. If anything, our virtual events were even more you know, attended and engaged in the first few months. And then everyone started dipping and feeling that Zoom fatigue. Um, so it, it's we're trying to follow that sort of um, peak and valley and, and find out ways of how can we continue to support our members even though we're not seeing them in person. Um, because we opened in July of 2019 and July of 2020 was when most of our members um, renewed their annual membership. And we did lose, unfortunately, a good chunk of folks um, because they their businesses took hits. Um, they moved out of Atlanta. Um, they just couldn't engage digitally, um, whether it was just the nature of their day-to-day or they were immunocompromised, so they didn't see, like, see a near-term that they could come back to our space, there were, it was very hard emotionally to read through all the reasons why people were leaving. And obviously we understood. Um, So I would say a good chunk of last year was just how do we stretch our runway and and continue to survive, but also how do we continue to check in to make sure everybody's doing okay so we can adapt um, and pivot. And very quickly we realized, you know, we wanted to build a digital platform further down the line. Let's do that you know, as soon as possible, so we launched that at the end of the year, Um, and then, you know, as things started getting better and vaccines started coming out, um, we reopened our space in July of last year, very limited, members-only, mask policy, temperature checks, COVID waivers, Um, you had to register to come in to sit anywhere so we could um, manage capacity and all that stuff, Um, we opened to three days a week, a few months afterwards, and then just this past week, it was come on in, um, yeah. And, and, um, hosts, you can bring in guests now. So it's Mm -hmm. been a long, it's been a long hard. Um, yeah, but we've been, we feel fortunate. Um, we have a 5,000 square foot, um, brick and mortar and, you know, that's been tough to, to maintain, but we were fortunate enough to get some PPP and, and other support.
0: So you've made it through.
1: We've made it through. Um, and it's, we've also we had the support of there's a collective of other female forward spaces across the country that started joining calls every week and then it's now every month but it was really cool to just hear like hey have you tried to negotiate with your landlord on rent deferment and i remember we were like oh i didn't even think about that let me try to you know propose something to um yeah figuring out all the the loans that were available unfortunately over the past year a good deal of those spaces have since closed, um, but it was nice to to come together and, and really just support one another.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The community was so important during this period, which is why I know that um, there are relationships that were made by um, your members that um, helped um, get people through. The pandemic, right? Like you'll never know the ripple effect of all of it, but certainly there's so many relationships and being there for each other. That's the one thing. Um, I run a cohort um, with Ripples of Hope and um, just the group being together throughout COVID um, virtually, but just being there for each other, I think helped. And what you're really trying to do is build community. So I guarantee you helped a lot of people through the last year.
1: Yeah, we hope so. We definitely have heard some anecdotes of, you know, all those people that I would see regularly at the Lola that I didn't see for the past year. Well, we met on Zoom. We just hopped on Zoom and just spent time together just to mm-hmm. be there, like as if we were, you know, working together in person. Or, And so it was nice to hear that. And I will say, I think it made from a business standpoint um, more loyal members, um, a lot of the members that could uh, even though they didn't engage, were unable to engage as actively, they renewed. Um, and I was talking to somebody before; they were saying, "Yeah, industrious and we work." They lost, you know, fifty or eighty percent of their people, and now they're back to forty or something. And he said, "What about you?" And I said, I, "And I told him, you know, a lot of them did renew, even though they didn't come in and." And this person was like, it's because you have a stickier model. I was mm-hmm. like, yes, I believe we do. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. So let's talk about the future now. So you've made it through something difficult. You've now have different ways of connecting that maybe you didn't before. You know about Zoom. I also, by the way, I can't remember the last time I had been on a video conference uh, before COVID and I did, I did not know about Zoom before. And now it's like. <laughs> When I, when I get the chance, I schedule a phone call with somebody and they're always like, this is so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: joke around like, or you could just call me and they're like, and people are like,
0: huh? Yeah. What is that? (laughs) And and by the way, I was on a a group conference call recently and it was a disaster. I don't know how we ever did like six people or five people on a call. Like it's insane. If you haven't done that in a while, like Zoom is so much better. Um, But so, so you've got these new tools and these new ways to connect. Uh, what do the next couple of years look like? And you mentioned sort of um, different places around the country. Is that a aspiration? Is it to you know to expand? Um, what are your future plans?
1: Our our plans were always to expand to different cities and cities like Atlanta that have diverse groups of professional women that we could support. Um, we had our eye on Baltimore early last year, and that quickly got tabled. Um, we think Baltimore is interesting um, in that it does have a big population. It's constantly overshadowed by. D.C. Um, there isn't a female um, forward space or even community there, Um, so we did see a lot of opportunity. Um, We haven't revisited the city expansion plan if anything right now we're really excited to um, see where the digital membership goes and then maybe you know use that as a gauge and and kind of follow where we uh, get interest. Um, and then it also gives us the opportunity to um, talk to folks in cities like Birmingham that we would look at and say, "We let, like Birmingham's great. It's got such a great mix of um, professional women. It's just not a big enough, you know, city and population." But now we can go with our digital memberships, and if and then we can also offer those folks um, to come visit our space when they're in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Right now the focus is picking up our memberships, um, both. Space and digital, um, within Atlanta and then outside Atlanta for the digital, um, ones and
0: see where that goes. Mm, great. So, um, I have one more question about the Lola and then I'll ask some of my fun questions here at the end. Um, so it is, it is not, um, your job. It is not, um, the job of, um, female workers to, um, change the problems that exist because of male leaders and how business has been created. Like, uh, you know, I, I get that. Um, and I also get though that um, proximity changes everything. Um, that's a, a quote that um, a friend of mine, Terrence Lester, uses all the time. And you know that the, the idea there is that you know the more that people can feel empathy, and the more that they can be close to a problem and see it from someone else's eyes, then change can really start to happen. And so I, I'm I'm curious um, how or what you do, if anything, to say okay. We're, um, we're building a community. We're, we're certainly creating a place to work that is designed around um, female and more equity. But is there an element to your vision that says, okay, at a certain point, or again, maybe you're doing some of this already, we do need to uh, infect some of these guys mm-hmm. the way that you talked about the one guy I was, right? Um, like for instance, um, I try to be, gosh, I try to be progressive, but I can only see through my own eyes. And so just you mentioning the, the temperature Uh, In a place like I had never, never thought of that in my life. Um, So I'm just curious, like, is there an element or um, how can how can people start to make that happen? Like, I'd love to know, you know, Dragon Army, um, how I could infect the men at Dragon Army to start seeing some of these things. So is there a plan for that? Have you been working on that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think for for starters, we definitely prioritize our members um, who kind of seek that safe and comfortable space to like, we say, let your hair down and be your whole self, bring your whole self. Um, I think the next step absolutely is to then, you know, go into other teams that are open to exploring that because it's got to be an (laughs) opt-in kind of agreement. Um, We've spoken to a lot of um, women employee resource groups. Um, And, you know, they're always um, looking to do similar programming and and content and support for their female employees that we are already doing at the Lola every day. So having creating those partnerships where we can plug them into our community and also help them curate some of the the content and um, exposure to not just their uh, women's ERG, but also to to the broader um, team is definitely a goal of ours. Um, last year, our membership um, got very involved in social justice and, and voter activism um, and, and engaged locally here, which was awesome to see um, a lot of our members relied on the LOLA to really curate and connect them to grassroots organizations because they didn't know where to start. Um, so, so we canvassed, we phone banked, we line warmed, we fundraised um, all together. It was an amazing thing to do. Um, and. Um, I think finding those sort of ways to engage um, not just our members, but whoever they touch, their families, their friends, um, their networks is definitely a goal. Um, We also hosted our first pilot. um, We called it the Anti-Racism Accomplices. So we had um, about 30 of our white female members go through um, a four-month education course with us. We had two therapists um, that supported us in exploring um, and self reflecting on how we fit into you know this world as far as um, every, every other week we talk about a different topic. It would be uh, white feminism to politics and racism um, and kind of talk about the history and how it's where it's rooted and then how that applies to our own selves. And I can't tell you how many times in those conversations we met every other week and then we had an accountability. Uh, buddy, to talk through some of that stuff, it was like I have to have my spouse or partner or brother or friend do this. Mm. Like this will be, this would be so eye opening. So our goal is absolutely how do we continue to package some of this amazing stuff that we're working through together um, to um, provide that to yeah men or anyone else that might be open to it.
0: I love that, and I love the sort of um, race awareness. Um, program that you just talked about. that That's thats the kind of thing, like that changed my life when I went through a two-day race awareness uh, weekend with Leadership Atlanta. And it was, again, the first time that I ever started really seeing the world at least a little bit more like it actually is. It's still hard, um, you know, being a white, straight Christian male in this country to, to s- actually see I have to work at it. Um, because otherwise, you know, the privilege that I have sort of it makes me blind to all of that. And so I think the more, the more that, um, experiences with people can open eyes. So I, I love that you're doing that. Um, how, before I jump into my fun questions, how would you suggest, um, people get involved? Certainly go to the website, see if, you know, subscribing, uh, to the membership is something, um, anything else coming up that people should be looking at?
1: Um, no, yeah, you can visit us at the dash Lola.com, uh, find information. We're on Instagram at the Lola women. Um, we don't, I'm trying to think, yeah, upcoming, we're, we're definitely pushing our digital memberships out. Um, our members are getting excited. Um, we're definitely hearing that people are eager to socialize in person. So we're going to slowly start <laughs> hosting some gatherings, which we're excited about. Um, and yeah, if anything, if you're looking for, if you're looking to get out of the house um, and everyone's got a new um, work set up, definitely come visit us. We're doing tours and, and would love to to get to know you.
0: Awesome. Yep. And I'll link to everything in the show notes. Okay, here we go. Some, some fun, random okay. questions here at the end. Um, I always love to know, are there any um, particular like characteristics about yourself and maybe Martine that, that together, um, have allowed you to be successful thus far, both with the Lola, but also in the past, like, is there any mindset or personality trait that you can point to to say, this is really what has helped me find success?
1: Um, I started my career as a management consultant. So one of the biggest takeaways I say from doing that for six years, far too long, most people do it for two years and leave because they traveled full time. Um, I definitely learned how to adapt and um, work with any kind of person because and mainly I say that because they shipped me off and I worked in Hopkins, Minnesota and Aurora, Colorado and none of the, the sexy cities, but got to know and worked with people who literally had nothing uh, in common with me. I remember in Minnesota, they wouldn't talk to me after I said, I'm from New York. <laughs> and they're like, we have, no, we have nothing to say to you. <laughs> but I think it is, it was a great skill to be able to find common ground. I learned a little bit about ice fishing and the hockey team there cuz that's all they wanted to talk about. Um and so just being able to find um similarities and connect with people I think has been has taken me um, is a skill set that has taken me very far and I value that um, and in other people as well. Um and then you know when we look for for we meet team members and anyone from a like a community focused business standpoint I think having high situational awareness is always really important um because Things happen so quickly, and if you have that situational awareness and can say, "Oh, is that person having an off day? Is there something I can do to support them?" Or even, you know, we do a lot of events if something going wrong on the side, being able to identify that problem and solve it. Um, yeah, I've always valued that greatly. Um, for Martine and I, you know, it's funny when you ask that question, I immediately thought of like, oh, we both got to the point where (laughs) we were so, we were so burnt out (laughs) and not, and saying like, whatever we're doing is not working. So we kind of connected on that common, um, feeling and emotion. Um, and, and if anything, we're like, we have to figure out a better way for us and for other women. And we would constantly for the first year or two say, like you and I have to figure out a better work life. Um, And we say work life balance is a a myth, Um, I think an optimal um, work life balance. you and I have to figure it out because if we can't figure it out, how are we supposed to actively support other women to do so? And can't say that we both have figured it out, but it's definitely the best incentive um, as we're, you know, having kids and dog and um, trying to make it home for, for all those things. And then over the past year, plus, I'm sure, you know, all the virtual schooling, um, homeschooling and all that stuff, it's just created um, a even crazier environment, but um, our passion to try to figure that out and find um, an optimal balance has not gone away.
0: Yeah. I, I think, I think finding a way to model that for your members is, is really important. Um, I, I have found, and I've had this conversation with some other podcast guests. Um, I have found that um, oftentimes um, successful women leaders um, outwork and, and probably cause they've had to, um, but just are are outworking their male counterparts and um, really struggle with that, especially when they're, you know, having families. And um, I, what we're trying to do with my leadership team at Dragon Army specifically, because um, five out of the six of them are uh, female, is how, how do we model this behavior that allows for the rest of the team, but certainly our female dragons to know, you don't have to work 24 seven and you don't have to be online all weekend. And like, um, and it's, you know, it's a shame that that is, that is what has been um, forced upon women to, if they want to succeed, they got to work twice as hard as men and all the things that we know. Um, but I think that's important for them to see entrepreneurs, leaders like yourself, hopefully be able to find some sort of balance.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's, yeah, that's great that you do it. I I have heard of this, um like the hyper productivity that a lot of, of women and, and moms get after they have babies. I was I was really waiting for that. I thought that was automatic. <laughs> 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 Definitely something you have to work towards. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, what What about any inspirational quotes? Any anything you point to?
1: Um, we just had a talk um, for Asian American uh, Heritage Month um, with Park Cannon and this amazing um, Asian LGBTQ advocate, Amazon Lathi, and they um, shared. The Shirley Chisholm quote of if there isn't a seat at the table, like bring your own or bring your own folding chair. So I really liked that. I don't and I was trying to think of another quote um, that I have sort of looked to um over the past years. And it's cheesy, but my husband and I wrote it like on our whiteboard in our bathroom at some point. But it's I'm gonna get it wrong, but it was just a reminder of making make 1% progress every day, or just, just like, so baby steps, like start where you are and just make, if you can make a little bit of progress every day, then you're doing good.
0: Yeah, that's a huge one. That's a huge one. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wish I had?
1: Um, no, I think we touched upon our, you know, our accomplished work and some of the, the really, um, work our mission has always been to be a space for all female identifying um, and women out there. Um, our one of our community values is that we commit to being an anti-racist uh, community. So that's something we absolutely have doubled down on over the past year. Um, we have uh, an awesome partnership with about 50 black female entrepreneurs who are all members here. So if anything, um, that is a huge part of our, our mission um, and our efforts um, in continuing to build and improve our community uh, that we would love to, to share um, and kind of you know market to everyone. Um, we still have a long way to go just because you say you're a space for all women doesn't mean that immediately every single person here feels supportive, but it's absolutely something that we continue to, Um, strive for, and we've got some great, great members who are helping us and supporting us. I just um, was chatting with two of our um, entrepreneurs that are starting their own like DEI consultancy. Uh, So they're helping strategically. um, How can companies, you know, instead of just having one workshop and checking off the box, but how can we kind of like look at the company as a whole and improve their processes to be more intentionally inclusive? Um, so we have some amazing members and supporters that are helping us along the way. Um, and it's just, it's fun. Um, definitely, um, the coolest part of my job is to make those connections and to meet women who are doing awesome things in Atlanta, um, and get to work with them in some way.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. A lot of the, um, stuff I've seen in the the news and certainly in your, um, newsletter has been around that um, focus on, um, you know, um, black owned women businesses and social justice. So I I love that you guys are into that and not surprised. Um, okay. Last question. What are maybe a few of your favorite books of all time? And this can be anything.
1: So I have to confess whenever I was asked that question, I would get so nervous because I was never a big reader, but the pandemic has made me into, turned me into a reader. And I actually am now part of the book club I never was <laughs> um I so I can't really think of I would always say like East of Eden was my all-time favorite I haven't read that in, in probably over a decade though um, the one that really stuck with me that I read more recently is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett and she's a black female author I definitely have been trying to diversify um my my author list which has been uh, really interesting and awesome um, and then I'm currently, I'm almost finished with uh, Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong, and it's about the Asian-American reckoning with all the stuff that's been going on with anti-Asian hate crimes. It's definitely um, pushed me to kind of explore all of that, being an Asian-American woman. Um, but, you know, I also love Harry Potter, and I, I really do love some of uh, the children's books that my... Um, my daughter has been reading and have also been working on diversifying her author list. So she's got uh, the eyes that kiss in the corner. Um, it's by an Asian American author. Um, and then one of our members actually just wrote a, a children's book um, called Lakshmi's Mooch. Uh, and it's talking about um, positive uh, body image and and body hair and kind of going through like making sure that kids have the self-confidence and, and understanding about how that all works.
0: What was that one called?
1: Uh, Lakshmi's Mooch talks about, um, upper lip facial hair and how men and women can both have it. Uh, it's L L A X M I Lakshmi. Um, it's a cute kid's book. She just, she just published it. Yeah. I ordered it and it's, it's great.
0: Oh, I love it. Um, have you read alpha girls? Have you heard of it?
1: No, I haven't.
0: So, um, I've been reading a lot about, um, race and, and trying to, you know, understand more of, um, the history of this country. And, uh, but I, I saw this book. So it's about, um, I think four, um, female leaders in Silicon Valley that over the last 30 or 40 years, you know, started off at the bottom and worked their way up. And it talks about all the things they faced and how they became super successful, but I mean, really difficult times they went through. Um, I'm going to send it to you because one of my favorite things to do is send someone a book. So we'll talk after this. Um, I would love to send it to you, but Alpha Girls is a really good, it's a really good read, Um, especially for the work you're doing. I think it might be interesting. Um, Eileen, it was so great to catch up with you. I I look forward to when we can do it in person again, um, but I was glad that we could set up this time and I just appreciate all the great work you're doing. So hopefully people will get involved after hearing this and uh, I want to find ways to support you this year. So um, thanks for all this great work. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Hope to see you soon. Yep. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Wow. You made it to the end of the podcast. I didn't think people did that anymore. Well, since I still have you, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That way you'll be alerted as soon as I post my next one. And second, I'd love for you to subscribe to my email newsletter. I send out an email every week or two, and it's really where I share my more personal thoughts and ideas, plus I give stuff away sometimes. You can find the sign up at my blog, JeffHillemeyer.com, and I really do appreciate you listening.